0: This is The Netball Show. You are with Grandstand, The Netball Show. On ABC Grandstands
1: Digital. Welcome netball fans to our first nosy about netball program for the 2013 season. Magic from New Zealand provided the necessary skills last season to take the trophy across the ditch. Who will emerge victorious this year? I'm Peter Walsh and each week I'll introduce you to all of the stars, take you behind closed doors to punch out some goss. And fill your grey matter with the stats that matter. Let's flick through the first round scores. Magic defeated Tactics, 69-46. The T-Birds, too strong for Pulse, 49-42. Firebirds over the Steel, 68-59. The Travelling Vixens down Mystic 60-46. And the Swifts beat Fever, 55-41. In today's program, we hear from the GM of Netball Australia, Andy Crook. Arguably the best player in the world, Magic's Irene Van Dyke captain of the Australian team and the T-Birds' Nat Von Berto, and former Australian player and now netball selector, Annie Sargent. Irene Van Dyke is a star, a massive name in the world of netball, captain of a South African team, and then a move to New Zealand in 2000, a citizen of Kiwi country in 2005, over 200 games on the national stage for both countries, four World Netball Championships, three Commonwealth Games and, of course, a member of Magic's win last year. She practises by shooting 300 goals per day, just for fun. And thankfully for us, she is so accessible with her time.
2: Oh, thank you very much. Yes, it's always nice to to get to, into that rivalry between the two countries, so and within New Zealand and uh, in Australia, obviously. So thank you for having me.
1: How are you travelling and how is the body of Irene Van Dyke?
2: Oh, look, like an (laughs) (laughs) 18-year-old. Recovery takes a little bit longer, but otherwise all good to go.
1: And you need to maintain the relish and the desire because there's so many youngsters who are so keen to jump into your spot.
2: Oh, absolutely. Look, and the potential is right there. You know, we have so many young people coming in there. So, yes, I have to train harder and be smarter than all of them all together.
1: So what do you do then, Irene, to set yourself goals now as you've now clocked up so many games at international level? What's the motivation factor?
2: The motivation for me would definitely be being with the girls um, and hungry for another title in 2013. That would be the cherry on top. But, you know, um, Nepal has been part of my life for so long that I am quite apprehensive for what is happening after Nepal. So I just love every moment out there. And I know I don't have a million more years to play, so I make the most of every second I'm out on court.
1: So you're openly admitting then that you do take a furtive glance at what lies in your life away from a court?
2: Oh, look, you always, you know, I know that I don't have three or four more years in me. So, um, yeah, you obviously have a look and see what what is out there on offer. And luckily, I am a trained and qualified teacher. So I've always had something to fall back onto.
1: You've got uh, your daughter who is playing netball. Now, where is she headed? That's Bianca.
2: I know, and she's only about two centimetres shorter than me. So <laughs> I hope she doesn't get taller than me because that would just be freaky. Um, you know, she yeah, she loves her netball and um, I love supporting her and it's just it's beautiful to watch, you know, and she does rowing as well. So who knows what she decides to do one day.
1: It's a healthy lifestyle and uh, something that you've been able to encapsulate for such a period of time. Uh, the health of netball in New Zealand Zealand, never questioned, always seems to be good?
2: Yes, definitely. Um, I think especially with the trans Tasman competition, it has definitely sparked um, younger players who really have the desire to be an, an ANZ champions player one day. So um, all the young girls are eager to steep it up and be part of the ANZ championships, really.
1: Do you see, as part of your role uh, with the magic combination that won the flag last year, do you get out and promote netball around the country?
2: Oh, we, we um every franchise is responsible for their own um areas so we do get out in the community um as part of your sponsorship or as part of um you know, just getting every young kid involved in Netball. So we are actively involved in our franchises.
1: Is it easy to sell the message, Irene?
2: Oh, it is. It is very easy because it is so incredibly popular. At school level and, um, you know, even Saturday and social netball, it's, it's very highly regarded. So it is, it is quite easy to get the message across.
1: Uh, being someone who's played the game for such a long time at the highest level, how conscious are you of managing the body now, of making sure that everything is done that needs to be done before every time you run on court for training, before absolutely everything?
2: You know, the older you get, um, the harder it is to um, make sure that your recovery is absolutely probably the most important thing. So as soon as we finish with training or playing, your recovery, your food, your, um, you know, the recovery bins, the ice buckets afterwards and managing your training throughout that week is very, very important. And, you know, with age, I suppose, comes um, being smart and knowing what your body need. So um, in saying that, I make sure that I train harder than what a netball game is. So I make sure once we've played a netball game that I'm not as sore or not as fatigued as after training. So I make sure that my body can handle the jandals.
1: Oren, do you do much training by yourself?
2: Yes, um, a lot of training. Um, as the Magic team we are together on a Wednesday night and a Thursday morning and that is it. Um, the rest of the time I am in Wellington um, with the fitness trainer so we'll do um, weight sessions three times a week, conditioning sessions two times a week and then the rest is court specific and netball trainings.
1: That's extraordinary. And uh, do you set yourself goals now? You look towards this season and next year, of course, Glasgow with uh, the Commonwealth Games. Where are you headed, do you think?
2: Oh, ideally, if my body holds up and if the selectors still think I'm good enough, I would love to go to World Champs in 2015. Um, I am training really hard and hopefully I'm still good enough to represent New Zealand at the World Champs.
1: That's uh, extraordinary. And just one quick one on South Africa. Now, of course, born in South Africa, but now a a New Zealand citizen. Do you have much to do now uh, with your home country?
2: Unfortunately not. Um, I think because we're a million miles apart, um, they pretty much, much, and I I suppose it's because I'm still a competitor as well, that um, I don't have a lot to do with South African netball or the players. I've got a lot of them as friends, but that's about where it ends.
1: Irene Van Dyke, and on Sunday, magic take on the Sydney Swifts at home. The news keeps getting better for Diamonds and Thunderbirds, Captain Nat Von Berto. A damaged digit has caused some angst, but the Explosive Centre is back in action. She openly admitted to being a little toey before the first game.
3: Yeah, thank you very much. We were, you know, very nervous heading into the game and we knew what a big game it was for us. So quite a relief to have that one out of the way.
1: Nat, why am I surprised when someone who has so much experience, both at the national and international level, is saying you were nervous? Oh,
3: of course we're going to be nervous. And I guess for me especially... uh, I was especially nervous. You know, I was disappointed with my form last year, so I was put a bit of pressure on myself to, to come out this season and have a good season. And, you know, I guess I had the confidence from being able to, to play in or not play the whole pre-season, but to train all pre So, yeah, I guess that's probably what made me nervous.
1: It's good to be away from medical people then and to, rest, <laughs> to give yourself a chance to say, hey, my body's all right, let's go.
3: That's right. And I guess uh, the last couple of weeks with my finger, I was only able to do the last two weeks or two and a half weeks of training so I guess it was a little bit of untested waters with how that would go as well so just relieved to get through and not be injured for
1: once. Uh, It's always different when uh, the new season starts the coach is the same but the message has to be delivered perhaps in a little different way. What about from a player's point of view when you're trying to challenge yourself each year?
3: Oh look I think we've changed a few, changed the way we've gone about our pre this year. We've gone to the days when we, you know, even last year we were doing traditional drills without the one-on-one in intensity at training all the time. Whereas this year we're not doing any of that standalone ball drills where everything that we're doing is against um, ourselves and, and under pressure. So I think, you know, that probably stood out yesterday for us compared to where we're at normally in the first round I guess our error rate was probably quite a lot lower.
1: Is it fair to say Nat that as the seasons have progressed the standard has got better and better?
3: Oh, I think we'll probably see the most even standard across the board that you know this year I think the Pulsar you know they've improved out of sight and will be pushing for a top four spot as will you know most of the team so I think it's going to be a, a pretty tight season which is very exciting for not only us but also for the spectators and it puts so much pressure on, on every game and I guess that's why we were quite nervous going into yesterday as we knew that the polls were going to be good and very good this year so we knew it was going to be a tough hit out.
1: Tell us about Lee Waddington and her impact.
3: Oh look, it was great to see her do such a great job yesterday. Um, she was pretty nervous before the game and obviously well, she didn't actually expect to be on um, in the starting lineup. so when she got the nod she was nervous levels um, skyrocketed. So she... um, But, you know, she just went out and looked like she'd been out there forever. And I guess with her experienced head, you know, I think she's 28, so she's... You know, it's really nice to see her get to that level she's worked pretty hard and last year she took the most you know she made the most of the opportunities she had with the team and um she's really proven herself so really happy for Lee that she's able to stand up and and go out there and make very few errors
1: the mixing and matching in your life and that you've got of course commitments with the Thunderbirds and then commitments with the Diamonds Uh, is it hard to be able to balance the two
3: I think it's pretty well managed now um for the most part ANZ is six months and Diamonds the other six six months of the year so although we had the tour in January that feels like forever ago now but I think you know the focus of all the girls is totally on the ANZ at the moment and we all know if we're playing well in our ANZ teams and and doing the right things with our teams at home that selection you know kind of takes care of itself so no focus on what's happening in the second six months of the year at the moment it's just on you know each week as it comes and we've got a pretty tough match next week
1: every game if you look at them and the personnel has changed all over the shop then every game is a difficult one and particularly when you play australian teams more than you play the new zealand teams that doesn't make it any easier
3: oh no, it certainly doesn't and you know we're expecting the fever to be a, a much stronger team this year um you know there's there is no easy easy beat uh they they definitely used to be but now it you know we're We've got to make the most of every game that we have against the New Zealand teams, and particularly when we're playing them over here in Australia. Um, We're lucky this year we've got three games at home um, against New New Zealand teams, which really is of benefit to our side. So we've got to make the most of those opportunities, but, you know, it's going to be pretty tough. I think we've got the Vixens twice in four weeks, and then later in the year we've got the Swifts twice in three or four weeks, so, it's, you know, it's pretty intense. The whole season's going to be tough. And the Firebirds look like they had a good win yesterday. So I think, you know, it's going to be hard every game of the season.
1: It does sound, though, as if uh, you've still got that uh, stilly determination and that appetite, that hunger that you must have each season, new challenges. And you, you do test yourself all the time, Nat. You've got to be able to put yourself under pressure and come up with the goods.
3: Yeah, and, you know, I guess the exciting thing about what Jane's doing with us at the moment is our tactic our tactics are changing quite significantly from team to team and and yesterday was probably the first time that we'd gone out with a a real strong plan against the zone on on what we're going to do and the small adjustments we can make as they adjust their zone. So I think that sort of stuff really keeps you interested and excited throughout the game but also from week to week trying to challenge yourself to come up with new ways to beat certain plays that the different teams put on.
1: Yeah, Jane's pretty good like that, isn't she? Yeah, you know, She's a little different. She never lets you settle down and just get into the comfort zone.
3: <laughs> no, she doesn't. She does, um, she does definitely challenge us. And, and you know, it's, it's great to have that, that challenge each week. And, and that's a huge credit to Jane that she's able to, I guess, motivate us and keep us motivated and, and focused throughout the season.
1: Nat Von Berto. The GM of Netball Australia is Andy Crook. This sport continues to grow and Andy can watch with pride as the budding stars of the future swarm to netball courts all around Australia. But even an unbiased official can feel pain when the major trophy leaves our shores. I think
4: you're right, uh, it was stolen and and it did go back across the ditch so I think there'll be a few Australian teams uh, wanting to get that trophy back over to Australia.
1: Have you had to do much tinkering with the way the competition is sorted out?
4: Not really. No, I think the only obviously outstanding issue for us in you know, the last few months has been mainly about the, the broadcast in Australia, but you know, other than that, I think it's business as usual, to be honest.
1: What we always would like, of course, is to have the equal number of Australian teams playing New Zealand teams here and away across the Dutch, but uh, that seems a fair way away.
4: Yeah, it is, and there are many reasons for that. So, look, it's something we'd love to do, and I think all the teams would love to do as well, both in Australia and New Zealand, but I think we are... A, a few, a few years away from that, and you know the reality is we we may not get there for a very long time. But it's uh, obviously an aspiration of ours to try and make something like that happen to extend the uh, the season.
1: Is it all about cost?
4: Yeah, there is a big element of cost. Um, obviously, you know, we can't just uh, keep, you know, paying for, for large amounts of travel, you know, international travel, which is an issue, you know, because we do, we know from a central perspective, we pay for players and provide grants to teams, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, there is a, we have to really um, create some sort of balance and that would just be taking the balance probably or tipping it too far. And
1: it's always uh, extremely significant to know about the health of the teams that are competing from a financial point of view. They're all vibrant?
4: Yeah, absolutely. No, 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 no question about that. I think you know there's more money in the game um, commercially today than there, there ever has been. So um, I think Neville's in a, in a very good place, both in Australia and New Zealand.
1: Uh, also, too, we do see players coming from overseas, and there's a sprinkling of imported talent, which is good for the game.
4: Yeah, absolutely. It creates a lot of interest, doesn't it? And you, you've seen uh, the likes of Chanel Fowler, who's, who's now signed with the Southern Steel down in Invercargill, and be very interesting to see how she goes this year. I think she's around about six foot eight, so and already creating a few waves in the netball world. So I think um, you know that, that's one uh, one thing that's, uh, one person who's definitely created some interest, especially in New Zealand. And obviously, obviously, there's some great uh, overseas talent over here as well in Australia. Uh,
1: Andy, there's no holding back either. If players want to jump from club to club, uh, that seems at the start of each year you have to do your homework and make sure you know who's got the right colour bibs on.
4: Yeah, it's been interesting, hasn't it? There's been a lot of player movement over the off-season and I think obviously one of the most controversial uh, or interesting from a fan's perspective has been Julie Coletto heading over to the Mystics um, and I think everyone's going to be very interested to see how, how that goes. But uh, look, it's part and parcel of professional sport, I think, uh, and, it, and it's and it's healthy, I think, for uh, for the fans to see different players... Year to
1: year. What we do also look at is with the compacted season, we've got a lot of international games uh, and Malawi involved, which is thrilling for Malawi and also for our rivals, New Zealand. But you are so conscious that we continue to push them forward these international matches.
4: Yeah, look, I mean, it probably sits slightly out of my domain, but look, you know, I think it is what it is. Netball Australia have a very, um, and Netball New Zealand have a very firm belief that they need to push the uh, and ensure that international uh, netball grows. You know, just as much as the domestic netball is, uh, it's important for you know, world championships, et cetera, that uh, these teams like the Malawis and um, South Africa continue to get stronger. So there is that international competition.
1: Uh, Andy, what's the biggest challenge that you face as a senior administrator in the sport?
4: Oh, look, I think it's, uh, the reality is, is is continuing to grow um, the commercial pot, to be honest. It's... Um, it's important that every year we you know we do consider you know new ways to create revenue for the league and for the teams and I think that that, that focus will uh, will definitely have to um, continue to be as you know, sharp as ever as we move into the next couple of years um, no no sports league wants to stay on a plateau they want they want to keep progressing so we need to make sure that we, we're doing that
1: You've tried to make a Monday night your own. Now, some sports have had a dip and then perhaps have backed off, but it does seem as if there's a, a nice little niche there for Monday night netball.
4: Yeah, I mean, Monday night netball in New Zealand has been very popular, something that Sky Sport love, and um, and now with our new broadcast partners, you know, it's something that we're, we, we've got more of this year. So, look, look we'll see how it goes, and, um, you know, indications from last year and as I say New Zealand is that it is very popular so um, you know, only time will tell but um, you know we're looking forward to some, some big clashes actually on a Monday night
1: particularly in, uh, in New South Wales. Andy Crook. Anne Sargent is one of the most respected women in the world of netball. A player of substance with the national team and now a selector She oversees the best talent we have on court around the country, but also plays a major role in looking at those in the junior ranks.
0: Yeah, look, I just really, I I love uh, to work at the different levels in the sport. I think people don't realise that about some of us. There are a few of us that really love to put back in at grassroots in different formats. So I'm still attached to my district association as patron and go down and give a hand to the rep teams whenever they need another pair of eyes. And you know, I run a coaching clinic business for juniors. Do some three school mornings a week, um, schools academy work. Love to be involved at that level, and of course, at the other extreme, have the blessed job of uh, assisting Lisa Alexander as a national selector. So really tuned in to high performance models and our um, our diamonds, and that's you know just an absolute delight. So I kind of fly. Literally from one level to the next and all the pathways in between and love that, love that about it. It's really exciting both with an under 12 when you see something shining in them or watching the diamonds. So pretty
1: cool job. Is it an easy message to sell with the youngsters? Do they automatically talk about aspiring to be playing for a team that might be in a Trans-Tasman competition?
0: Well, we run a program at the moment, uh, Karen Smith, a former international and I, just at local level to where we live, and we sort of pitched it as a pathway. Not we, we talk to them about the top level, but what we talk to them more about is working to step up to the next level for themselves in being a better player making a rep team, maybe pushing up to A grade, that kind of thing, so that they have a responsibility you know, to work hard for themselves and be proud of that and then work hard for a team and then a club. And I think from that ethic, that's how you build your great diamonds. Yeah, well, I think it would be an error to, of course, we want the diamonds as our role models, but there are stepping stones and pathways along the way. And I think when we're working with the babies, Um, Of course, they idolise those players, but the little pebbles, the little steps on the way have to be put in place, and I think it really takes, you know, a thought about club and people around you, not just yourself, for that to happen.
1: Do you think, Anne, that there needs to be much tinkering done to the 10-team competition that uh, has just kicked off with Round 1 out of the way?
0: Oh... Look, that that is debated constantly and ongoing. I've sort of I've forgotten about it now because we're in the throes of it and it's just so exciting and it's out there. I mean, long term, we talk about, you know, the evolution beyond Trans-Tasman. Uh, we talk about whether the balance is right uh, across the Tasman. Should there be fewer New Zealand teams, more Australians? As soon as that first whistle blew last week, it's all out the window for me. I just think we had the best theatre of netball in the world on show with the ANZ Championship. So I don't worry too much about that. I worry about the players that are out there at the moment and that we are servicing them well. I think we still have a way to go to make sure that this competition truly is heading towards more heavily professional... I mean, it's on its way, but heads that way for the players' and the coaches' sakes. They invest an enormous amount in their preparation for this event as well as the other things they have to keep, you know, simmering along for other franchises and for their national hopes. So we need this to be in place and well done for both the public and these players. And I think when that's absolutely rolling along, because it's a work in progress, then expansion should be considered. But at the moment, let's get the playing field right for these
1: girls. Fair call. And another one for you on Malawi. What does Malawi do when they come to Australia? What does it do for their netball? And to the other extreme, what does it do for our netball?
0: You're not saying that like you're writing them off, are you? Oh,
1: not at all. Not at all.
0: (laughs) Malawi, um, for those people that have watched the international arena, have, at the last couple of world champs, set the world on fire with their ability to cause upsets. They are entertainers. They are spectacular, first and foremost. Since they did that, and I think the first time when they came to our attention was uh, back in Auckland at World Champs, when they, uh, they took the scalp of the big-wig South Africa and proceeded to do Malawi rolls all over the court. <laughs> so they really know how to embrace the fans and the sport since then they have kept on the boil at developing their players it's a great untapped pool of wonderful athletes who are now becoming quite disciplined players who performed brilliantly at fast five in new zealand at end of last year and are really starting to put it together and are a force on the map so first and foremost very important they get as much access to the top two or three as they can and, you know of course we're talking economics um, in, in terms of Malawi's sporting setup and the professionalism or the lack thereof of their players. So obviously they have more touch in neighbouring countries. But that, that's great. That keeps them a force there. They need to be out of the region, exposed to the big guns to get their game closer to the mark. So coming to Australia to play and those touches are invaluable to a team like that, that is now quite solid in the top bracket internationally but looking to force their way up even further.
1: Annie Sergeant and next week, Annie talks about her experiences on the floor. We can hardly wait for that one. Matches in round two, Saturday, Tactics play Southern Steel. On Sunday, the Vixens and the T-Birds, West Coast Mystics, Magic and the Swifts. Easter Monday, the Pulse up against the Firebirds. That's nosy about netball for this week. Enjoy your festive break and tell all your friends about the program, Nosy About Netball. Cheers. Peter Walsh for ABC Radio Sports.